I want to welcome all of the locations that are here. I am honored to be with you. As Pastor Daniel said, my name is Josh, and uh, I pastor a church called Seacoast out of Charleston, South Carolina, and I love Virginia. I had a great time here, and I love your pastors. Uh, Daniel and Tammy have become some of our our closest friends. We took over the church about nine years ago, and they were some of our first friends that connected in and began to believe in us, and uh, that we we, we love them so much and are grateful for them, for their kids, their influence. I don't know if you know this or not. You should, because you feel it when you're here, but you guys are very well led. Uh, You have great leaders, and every church has great intention, right? We love God and we want the gospel, but leadership can make a huge difference, and you guys are sitting in the fruit of phenomenal leaders. Can we give it up for your pastors, even though they're not here today? And I honor them today, and full disclosure, I didn't used to like Pastor Daniel at all. Um, It didn't start off very good for me because he called me, and I had met him maybe once before, and he asked me years ago if, if I would mind if he talked to one of the young worship leaders on our staff about coming up and joining his team here. And I said, sure, there's no way Brandon Lake would move from Charleston to Virginia. Go ahead and talk to him. And he did. And some of you may remember Brandon, uh, he's doing okay for himself with music. But um, so it was hard for me for a little bit. I was a little bitter. Uh, but uh, as God would have it, uh, Pastor Daniel and Tammy have become, like I said, some of our, our best friends. And Uh, Brandon, by the way, says hello. He misses it here. This season that he had here was very formative in his life. And uh, now I think just this weekend, he won like something artist of the year for somebody. Uh, It was a big deal, I'm sure. But but he he loves you guys. But I'm grateful to be here. And uh, I was able to travel this week with my daughter, Greta Kate, my 13-year-old daughter. We had a little father-daughter weekend. And so thanks for the opportunity to do that with her. Give it up for Greta Kate. Thanks for coming with me. She's listening to this message for the third time. Uh, If you fall asleep, that's fine. I understand. But we've had a phenomenal time. And um, so we're connected through Brandon, but also my dad has preached here, I think, once or twice before, Greg Surratt. And so I apologize for that. And we're going to clean up some of the stuff he might have said there. But um, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I want to show you a picture of my family, introduce you to the, the whole Surratt crew here. This is my wife, Lisa, on the far left side of the picture. My son, Miles, is 15. Uh, He's outgrown both of us in the middle. And then Greta Kate, and then her younger sister, Eliana Joy. That was us on Easter just a couple months ago. And um, we're just just super grateful to be here for what God's doing in our church and in our family. And I feel like God uh, has given me a word for you. I know nobody came to church this morning looking forward to hearing from me. We all came wanting to connect from heaven. uh, And God wants to speak to us today. And I believe he's gonna do it in a powerful way if you'll open your heart up to that. About uh, 10 years ago or so, uh, we were at a birthday party, um, and in Charleston, every birthday party in the summer is a pool party, and the problem for us is we had eight years in a row where our kids, we had at least one kid that couldn't swim, and those of you that are parents of small kids, you know that when you go to a pool party and you've got a kid that can't swim, like, you got to be on, right? You got to be communicate well. You got to know who's in charge, what's up. Well, we were at one of these pool parties uh, about 10 years ago. Greta Kate was three years old. She didn't know how to swim yet. And my wife, Lisa, had given me that look that said, hey, you're on, uh, so you, you're in charge. I'm like, I'm good, I got it. We put that little life jacket thing on her, and we swam in the pool, had a great time. Well, then we took a break for the, the cake and pizza and all that stuff, and during the break, I went out to the dock with some friends of mine uh, that was at this house and talking, chatting, and I looked back towards the pool, and I see one of our campus pastors at Seacoast running in a full sprint with all of his clothes on, 
and he jumps into the pool. And I'm like, uh-oh, I didn't think they were serving drinks at this party. What's going on here? <laughs> People jumping in without, without, with, with all their clothes on. And, and so I, I, I look, look towards that direction, and he comes out of the pool with my daughter, Greta Kate. Now, she was okay, thankfully. Um, she had taken her life jacket off to do the, the pizza stuff. And, and because she had that life jacket on, she had a lot of confidence, but she had zero skill when it came to swimming. And so she had meandered her way into the pool. And, and so I come out and I see the life jacket on the ground and I see her and I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and then I make eye contact with my wife. She was not mad at the life jacket. Uh, it was not the life jacket's fault. It was not anybody, like, it was my responsibility. She's like, you had one job, dude. Like, one job. So all I asked you to do, like, what is going on? And, and of course, I, I dropped the ball in that, in that situation. Well, we're in a, in a series, kicking off the series uh, on Proverbs. And I'm so excited that you guys are doing this. Can I just encourage you? And no matter where you are, maybe you're here for the very first time, checking out this life point thing. Maybe you've been coming for a long time. Jump into this. What a great way to grow spiritually this summer. Guess what? You're not gonna get in, in shape this summer. I know some of you got goals, like maybe one or two you will. This is not the time for getting in shape. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, you weren't motivated enough before the summer, you're not gonna do it. You're probably not gonna read a ton of great books. You may have vision for that, but, but five minutes a day for the month of June and you can gain wisdom from heaven. I just encourage you, jump in, do it. We did it in our church. I, I did it in January with about four friends and we would do the reading every day and then we would comment in the, the app and just talk about what we were learning. And then I, it had such an impact on my life that I did it with my leadership team in the month of February. And then we were like, man, this is amazing. Let's do it with the whole church. And there's power when the church has synergy together. We're all reading the same things. We're learning the same things. And, and I don't know what challenges you're facing in your life right now, but the book of Proverbs is gonna address relationships and finances and your, your parenting. It's gonna address uh, your friendships. It's gonna address all kinds of, there's not an area of your life that's not gonna get hit on in the book of Proverbs. So just jump in and do it, jump in and do it. But, but, but what we're gonna look at today is Solomon is the author of most of Proverbs and he's talking to his sons. He's trying to impart this generational wisdom to them. And he says, hey, there's one job that you have. Like there's one thing that you need to do. And he says, don't be like Josh and drop the ball on the one thing you're supposed to do. Like do, do what you're supposed to do. There's one area that you can't blame your spouse. If this area goes south, you can't blame your friends. You can't blame your parents. There's one thing that you are responsible for that only you can do. And that one thing is to make the choice to guard your heart. Guard your heart. Look what he says to his sons in, in Proverbs 4, 23. He says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. He says, you wanna know where your life is gonna go. You wanna know the direction of your life. It's gonna go in the direction of your heart. And he says, above all else, more than you do anything else in the world, you've got to guard your heart. So what does the Bible mean when it talks about the heart? I want us to explore that today. What does it look like for us to guard our hearts? Because it's gonna determine the direction of our life. And, and, but, but what does it mean? We think of heart and in our culture, we think of the heart as really just emotions, like the way that we feel. And the Bible, when it talks about the, the heart, the Hebrew word for the heart that they're using there, it's used more than 800 times in the Bible, by the way. It's used 93 times in the book of Proverbs alone. 
So you'll see Solomon pay a lot of attention to the heart, but he's talking about a lot more than just our feelings. Really, there's four things. You think about four chambers of the heart? There's four aspects of the biblical heart that he's telling us. We gotta understand it if we're gonna guard it. So the first one is the intellectual capacity, like our thought life. Proverbs 23, seven says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know those like underlying thoughts that you have about yourself, uh, about your future, even about God, like the, 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 you, sometimes you wake up and, and you just feel optimistic. You're thinking it's gonna be a good day today. I'm gonna get some stuff done. Sometimes we wake up and we're in a funk and we're like, ah, that's our thought life, but it's, it's what the Bible talks about as our heart. And he said, hey, guard, guard that. Because as you think, that's the direction that you're gonna go. So it's our intellectual capacity. It's our emotional capacity. You know, traditionally what we think of when we use emojis, like we think of the heart as our emotions. That's important. It's a part of our heart. You know, the feelings that you have when you watch that movie. You know, last night, Greta Kate and I watched The Pursuit of Happiness, a little old school. I wanna show her some of the good stuff from back in the day. And that moment at the end of the movie when, sorry to spoil it for you, but he lands the job and he kind of overcomes the, the tough stuff that he'd walk through, the, the emotions that you feel, that's, that's your heart. And, and that's a part of it. The emotions are great. Uh, a lot of times we let our emotions drive though. Like they become the driver's seat and it's like, no, you need to get back in the, the passenger seat. But our emotions, it's important. It's a part of our heart. It's also our volitional capacity. Volitional capacity. What do I mean by that? Some people would refer to it as like the will, the willpower of a person, the volitional capacity. Did you know your heart has a gravitational pull towards it? Like when you set your heart on, have you ever set your heart on something? You know, you noticed somebody at college and she was cute and you kind of set your heart and all of a sudden like you started moving towards her, you started showing up in the same places that she would show up. Like that's the, the will, the volitional capacity of the heart. I know when, when our kids were younger, I set my heart on a minivan. I apparently had zero friends in my life that would speak the truth to me and tell me, you know. But like, have you ever like set your heart on a car and then the only thing you see on the highway is that car? Like you just notice it, it's like, ah. Oh. Then all of a sudden you own one and you're, you're, you're having, that's the, the volitional, like your heart is gonna take you somewhere. It's, it's got a pull to it. And then the fourth part is the, the, the your, your moral capacity. You know, kind of the, the, value system that you have that determines right and wrong, that's all wrapped up in your heart. Jesus said in Mark chapter seven, verses 21 through 23, he said, for from within, out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit. He's not talking about Life Point Church, obviously. He's talking about another church down the road. Uh, no, but he's saying all these things, envy and slander and pride and foolishness, these moral issues, all of these vile things, they come from where? From within. They are what defile you. The, 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 the moral compass is a part of what makes up our heart. And so the heart is, is, is more maybe complex than our culture makes it today. It's our, our thought life and our emotions and our will and, and our value system is all what makes up the heart, and I think you know this, but the heart is under attack in America right now, in our world. The enemy would love nothing more than to, to, to get into your heart and to get you off track, because why? Because he knows that's where your life is gonna go. And so we have to, to guard our heart. Our, our heart is like the, it's the subconscious part of us that determines the course of our life. 
You all know that the heart and your body, it's the thing you can't see, but when it's not working right, it's a big deal, right? We all know that. We all know that if something goes on in our chest here, we're gonna go get it checked out pretty quick because it matters. And it's the same is true with our heart. I hope, can you see why the heart is such a big deal? Why Solomon would say, hey, above all else, you need to, you need to guard this. Like you need to pay attention. So we know what the heart is. What does it mean to guard your heart? Well, what is he talking about here? Literally, the Hebrew rendering of that word, it literally means more than all guarding, guard. <laughs> like, like more than you guard anything else, like make it your top priority to guard your heart. And you may be like, well, Josh, I don't really guard a lot. You know, I don't, yeah, you do. We all guard stuff. When you showed up to your location today in the parking lot, you got out of your car and you grabbed a little clicker on your keychain and you hit the lock button, Right? Because uh, you guard, you want to lock your car. Did anybody not lock their car today? Actually, don't raise your hand for that. <laughs> like, we guard things. Like, if I were to go pick up your cell phone right now, I'm not going to be able to get into it because you've got a password on it because you've got it guarded. You've got it locked down. Your bank account. You know, and nobody's given out their password of their bank accounts because you, you guard it. You know, we know how to guard things. And Solomon's saying, hey, more than anything else, like, I, wanna, I want you to take up the intensity of your guarding of your heart. Because a lot of us have, maybe we get a little bit uh, apathetic about the things of our heart and we start to engage in certain things and listen to certain things and do certain things. And, and before you know it, our heart has got issues and then our life is going in the wrong direction. So I get the sense that Solomon is like a, it's like a coach telling us, hey, you've got to pick up the intensity. You've got more than you guard anything else. What do you mean? More than I guard my, my kids? More than I guard my my marriage, yeah, because the, the direction of your heart is gonna impact how you parent your kids and what kind of relationship you have with your marriage, your friendships, your small groups, any of that. I have a chance to, to be a chaplain for one of the best college basketball teams on the planet. It's the College of Charleston Cougars. You probably haven't heard of them, but you're going to. We're on the rise. We're, we're, we're up and coming. We just hired a coach a couple of years ago. He's so intense, and he asked me if, uh, he called me one day, uh, right when he got the job. And I went to the College of Charleston. And so I answered the phone. He said, hey, it's Coach Kelsey, College of Charleston. I said, I'm so glad that somebody finally realized I've got two years of eligibility left and uh, I'm ready for you. And he said, I don't need you to play, but I want you to invest in my players. I want you to pour into them spiritually. And so they were actually getting ready to play a team from Virginia. I think it was uh, William and Mary. And um, so he invited me down to do the chapel for the team. And so I go down and get ready to do the chapel. He says, hey, we'll do it right after our film session. Why don't you come in and watch the film session? So this basketball coach is doing film session and he's so intense. He's watching the team that we're getting ready to play and, and uh, he's like, you know, talking to them like they're his own players. Like, number 10, look at him. You don't wanna win the game, number 10? Why are you standing there? What are you? And I'm like, this guy is crazy. But so the, the, the player said, hey coach, I know on a screen and roll, we're supposed to switch, but is it okay if I pretend like I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with him and, and kind of flash like I'm gonna stay with him and then, then, then switch. And coach is like, oh, that's a great question. You're the bulldog, you're guarding him. If he scores, it's your fault. So you can pretend, but don't pretend. And he's like, zuh is okay, but zuh is not. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> and, and here's what I realized is he knows that the difference between two inches is the difference probably between two points. And if you, if you don't, if you're not intense about and know exactly what you're gonna do, you gotta guard him. Like you gotta know what you're doing. And and that's what Solomon's saying for us. We gotta guard our heart. We've got to guard our heart. And so how do we do it? Well, thankfully, what he does, and this is what I love about Proverbs, is he lays out a blueprint. 
the next three verses that we'll go through lay out three specific areas that we can focus on when we're asking the question, how is my heart? Like, how am I doing with my heart? And so if we're gonna guard our heart, the first thing that we do is we control our tongue. We control our tongue. Solomon says, hey, there's a connection between your tongue and the heart. Verse 24, he says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Did you know that there's, there's power in the tongue? Like what we say, the, the, the words that we say, we can either bring life or we can bring death. He's saying, if you wanna know how your heart is, pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth because it all starts in our heart. And, and I, I really saw the power that the tongue can have. It was several years ago. It was actually not long after I was trying to not like Pastor Daniel um, because he hired Brandon and uh, we got invited both to a, a pastor's gathering in Colorado. And so we went out there and I didn't know it, but they put me in a car with Pastor Daniel for three hours to get to our location. And so uh, we became great friends and God just really did a cool thing there. And, but while we were out there, we were riding horses and I noticed that we're in this place, it's called Sedalia, Colorado. And I looked around on the horses and everything around us was burned up. Like the, the land was just desolate and dry. And I think I brought a couple pictures of it. I was like, man, what, what in the world happened? And I asked the guy that was leading us, I said, did things just not grow here? And he goes, no, this is a fire. We had a fire. And I said, oh, tell me about the fire. He said, it was the Haman fire. And I said, well, did it happen? Did it start here? And he said, oh, no. I said, was it recent? He said, no, no, no. He said, the fire happened 20 years ago, about 120 miles away, but it spread. And, and our land is still living in the, the fruit of that fire. And what happened is, is 20 years before I was there, there was a woman about 120 miles away. She was upset. She was having marriage challenges and she was hurting. And she went out, she wrote a letter to her husband. And she decided, I'm gonna light this letter on fire and I'm just gonna put it in a, a, a fire pit. So she lights, apparently she had better matches than I did. But she, she lights one match. She lights this letter and she drops it in the woods and walks away. The, this small match lit 20 years ago, 120 miles away, was still producing damage. Like they were still trying to recover from this and it spread out over thousands of acres. And that's what the tongue can do. See, some of you, there was a, a match that was lit a long time ago by somebody that you may not even talk to anymore. They said something about you. It could have been a coach, a teacher. It may have been one of your friends. It may have been a parent. And they spoke something about you and that has become the soundtrack in your mind. And you've continued to live out of a word that was spoken over you. I really was praying about my time today, I believe God wants to set some of us free from those words, that today's gonna be a day that something changes, that we exchange the lie that's been spoken over us with the truth of what God says about us. He has a better word for you. But don't ever underestimate the power of your words. If you're married today, do you know that you have the power more than anybody else on planet Earth to speak life to your spouse or to light a match 
Our words are either gonna warm it up, they're gonna bring life, or they're gonna burn it down. And we have that power. And if we're gonna pay attention to our heart, we've got to be careful with our words. So, so we've got to control our tongue. What does that look like? We could talk about the tongue all day long, but a couple of thoughts for us. Just beware of gossip. Just be careful about gossip. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Our culture today, we love gossip. Like that's what social media is for, right? Just to kind of put out information about other people. That's not, that's not, that's not how God designed it. Like we can stop the spread of slander in other people's life by just saying, hey, I'm, not, I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna, if I'm not part of the problem and I'm not part of the solution, I don't have any business talking about it. You know, our tone, when we think about our words, our tone matters a lot. I love what Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter um, 15, verse one. Solomon tells us, kids, he says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Do you think our culture could benefit from a gentle answer? <laughs> it's not valued, you know, in our politics or in our, our culture. Everybody wants to be, it's, it's like we live in a culture right now where the value is to be certain uh, even if you're wrong. Uh, we value certainty over humility. And, and what he's saying is, hey, you don't have to budge one inch on your values. You don't have to budge on your beliefs. We have to stand firm. In fact, God wants us to stand firm. But he says, hey, a gentle answer, like our tone actually matters. It can turn away wrath. And our friendships, what, what would it look like if you just said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna control my tongue. I'm not gonna get worked up so quickly just because other people do. And so, We've gotta guard our heart, and the first way we're gonna do that is to control our tongue. How is your heart? If, you're, if your words were a reflection of your heart, which they are, how, how are you doing with that? The second thought, if you're taking notes, you're gonna write this down. If you're not taking notes, that's a Daniel line. If you're not taking notes, you wanna write this down anyways. <laughs> Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. So we're gonna control our tongue but we're also gonna fix our eyes. Look what he says in Proverbs 4, verse 25. He says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. He's like, guys, remember, above all else, we're gonna guard our heart. It's the most important thing we're gonna do. We're gonna control our tongue, but hey, fix your eyes ahead. Make sure you pay attention to what you're paying attention to because your attention does cost you. That's why it's called pay attention. Like you're gonna, you're gonna go in the direction of your attention. He's saying, make sure that you fix your eyes. You can do several different things with your eyes. Sometimes we're tempted to, to look back, to focus, to, to set our focus on what happened, the mistake that we made. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Live in that regret or the thing that, that happened to us. And we just, we fix our eyes on, on the past and you can't move forward if you're constantly looking back. Our past is important. We need to have a good relationship with our past, but we can't live in our past. You know, some of us get buried by our past and some of us just bury our past and act like it didn't happen. Neither of those are healthy. What we gotta do is acknowledge our past, but keep our eyes focused on the future. Sometimes we're tempted to look around with our eyes. We fix our eyes on what's going on around us. Think of it, a, a picture of a, a racehorse. We have these horses in Charleston, horse carriage rides, and they all have these blinders. You notice that. Why do they have the blinders? Because they know that if the horse looks around, it's gonna get spooked, it's gonna get distracted, it's gonna go in the wrong direction. And, and, and Solomon's saying, hey, I want you to put some blinders on your eyes. Don't look around. 
What happens when we look around? Well, we, we start to compare ourselves to everybody around us and we get, we get discouraged. You know, comparison is the thief of joy. According to Roosevelt, I think is the one who said that. And we, we start looking around and all of a sudden we start comparing our spouse to the social media spouse. And we're like, well, honey, why don't you treat me like he treats her? Look at this post on Instagram. Can I break it to you? He doesn't treat her like that either. He did it once and she posted about it, okay? <laughs> so let's not compare our everyday to everybody else's highlight reel. That's the temptation we get with social media. I remember one day, we had a great day in our church. We baptized like 250 people and I was so excited. We were out at the beach, this ocean baptism and I'm feeling good. Like TJ, you know I'm telling you, those days you go home and you're like, we're making a difference. Today's baptism, by the way. Some of y'all need to jump in and get baptized. But I was on the way home and I opened up Instagram and one of the guys that I follow, a friend of mine, he had baptized 2,000 people that day. All of a sudden I went from God is good, it's amazing that I get to do this to I think I'm gonna quit. Like, what are you doing, Surratt? You're not making any difference. And, you know, it's like, and so out of my own insecurity, I had to unfollow some people. And, and I'd like to be more mature than that, but sometimes you just, some of you just need to unfollow some people. It's just not good for your soul. It's not good for your heart because we're comparing and we're, we're robbing ourselves of our, our joy. And, and so we, we can look behind or we can look around, but Solomon says, hey, fix your eyes on the future. Did you know God has a plan for you? God has a future for your life. He's got vision for your life. We gotta fix our eyes. I love what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. He said, we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Listen, we're gonna be so tempted to, to fix our eyes on the problems around us and the challenges that we're facing. And, and Solomon's saying, hey, guard your heart, control your tongue, but fix your eyes. Don't ever get distracted from who God's called you to do. There, there are some things, when we talk about fixing our eyes, there are some things that the people in this room and the people at our locations, you just don't need to be watching. You don't need to be focused on that you're watching. I know for me during the pandemic and things got so crazy, I, I disabled all of my news apps. And people are like, well, well, what happens if something big happens in the world? And I'm like, if it's big enough, somebody will tell me. But it was like, I just, I was, I was fixing my eyes too much. I was over-focused on all the 24-7 cycle of stuff. And, and it was like, it just wasn't good for my soul. And some of us are things that maybe you've been watching or focused on that, you just don't need to be watching it. Why? Because you're a prude? No, because you have vision for your life. Because you know God has a plan for you. You wanna stay focused on what he's called you to. So we're gonna control our tongue. We're gonna fix our eyes. And the last thought is we're gonna, we're gonna watch our steps. We're gonna watch our steps. We're gonna submit our steps to God. Remember, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. It's, it's gonna determine the course of your life, so we've got to pay attention to our steps. In Proverbs 4, 26 through 27, he says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. It says your feet are gonna go where your heart is. Proverbs 16, nine, we can make our plans, but the Lord 
determines our steps. What does it look like for you to submit your steps? I would say, figure out the things that stir your heart for God and go there. Congratulations, you all win. We're we're in church today. Does church not stir your heart for God? Do you guys love coming to church and being in God's presence and experiencing his power? See, we get into his presence, we, we fix our steps, we submit them, and, and, and he, he does work in our hearts. And so we're painting the town red in a few weeks, right? Just predetermine, I'm submitting my steps, I'm doing that. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go there, why? Because I guarantee you, when you start caring for people in need, you're very close to the heart of God. When you start serving people who are hurting, you are very close to the heart of God, and, and, and God's gonna do some stuff, and your heart is gonna be better because you've put yourself in an environment where he's moving. Some of you have given your life to Christ before. Some of you may do that even today. Submit your steps. He says, repent and do what? Be baptized. Just do it. If God says it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be obedient to what he's called me to do. Be a part of the incredible life-giving community here in small groups and this Proverbs series. Just, you know what? If there's a step to take, I'm gonna do it. If you're not taking your next steps, if if you're not moving, you're not improving. And God's calling us to watch our steps, to to be mindful, to be intentional about the steps that we're taking. So I would ask you, LifePoint, as we kind of move into a time of reflection, how's your heart? How's your heart? Some of us, if we were just being real honest about where we are right now and took an inventory of what's been coming out of our mouth and how maybe we've been reacting emotionally to stuff that goes on. Maybe we've been lashing out in anger and it's like, man, there's something going on in my heart. Something going on in my heart. And I would just challenge you, guard your heart. Some of us, just because of the direction that we've taken in our life, we've, we've given our heart to some wrong people in wrong places. And it's created maybe some wounds and maybe you've never really dealt with those things. You've never really processed it. But God, my heart's just not in a great place. And I haven't guarded it well. And I think back to the story I told you at the beginning of me dropping the ball on watching my daughter and that image of a, one of our pastors just running and jumping in the pool, not taking his shirt off, not get, but just going all in whatever it takes to rescue a little girl. And that's the heart of Christ for you. Just know that when he knew that we weren't gonna be able to fully guard our heart, we gotta focus on it, we gotta work at it, but he knew that we didn't just need a better heart, we needed a new heart. That's why Jesus came and he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross so that he would take all of our sin and all of our shame upon himself. And for some of us, those dots are just gonna connect today. I was 18 years old, grew up in a great church like this, sat every week listening, and my dad was a pastor, but, but there was a gap between what I knew in my head and what I lived in my heart. And I got invited to an oyster roast, which is something silly that we do, really, actually really great that we do. And uh, it was a bait and switch. They turned it into a small group and Bible study, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows up and I'm like, my palms are sweating and my heart is racing. And I just knew like, now is the time to give my heart to Jesus. And I did at 18 years old, my life's never been the same. 
And for some of you, you're going to have that moment today of just saying, you know what, maybe you've been around for a while, you've been checking it out, but today is the day that God is saying, hey, I want to give you a new heart. And I'm going to commission you to pay attention to the way that you live and the way that you move to, to guard it. And, but he wants to not just make you better, but give you a new heart. And I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. But I also want to pray for those of you that are here and you, you would just say, you know what, I've been living under a word that was spoken over me that's been producing fruit in my life, maybe for decades. And today's the day, I just want that to break in my life. I want a new soundtrack. I want a new word over me where maybe you have felt rejection because of what a guy said about you or a girl said about you. And Jesus is saying, I adopted you into my family. I love you so much. Before you ever did anything for me, while you were far from me, the Bible says, while you were sinners, I died for you. Some of you, just a parent may have said, hey, you're lazy. No, you're not. You were a kid, but, but you're gonna be fruitful and productive and God has a plan for your life. So I don't know what that word is, but I just wanna pray for you. So would you guys bow your heads with me as we close? And the first group of people, if you do wanna just, you'd say, Josh, there's a word that was spoken over me and I'm tired of living under that. I wanna see new life. I wanna see new life in my life. I wanna live under a new word. If that's you, I just wanna pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up in the air? Okay, great. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we break any curse that was spoken over any person under the sound of my voice. Jesus, I thank you that you have a better word. Lord, that we, where me, we may have felt like a failure or we felt rejected, you have received us, you have adopted us. Lord, you have a plan for our life. We are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus who lives in us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord, would you just speak a new word over us? Beloved son, daughter, I accept you, I affirm you. I thank you, God, that you care for us. Lord, that we'll never be alone. God, we thank you for the new word that you have over us. And as we continue to pray, if you're here today and you would just say, hey, I need a new heart. I wanna give my heart to Jesus. Can't think of a better moment to give your heart to Christ than right now. Just say, God, I give you my heart. Maybe I've never done that before. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've done it, but it's been a long time. And you just know that the Lord is wooing you much like he was me at 18 years old and saying, the time is now to give me your heart. I wanna pray for you as well. If that's you today, I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, just raise your hand in the air. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward or embarrass you at all, but I just wanna pray for you. A prayer that would be you inviting Jesus to restore your heart, to give you a new heart. If that's you, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Just, I wanna, I wanna receive a new heart. Okay, awesome, great, great. Would the whole church here in all the locations, would you just repeat after me? We're gonna pray this prayer together in solidarity with our brothers and sisters that are making that decision today. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I haven't guarded my heart. God, would you give me a new heart? I wanna receive the gift of salvation. I thank you for dying for me, for raising from the dead. Would you fill me with your power? We love you.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.